You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com, that's summerschoolelectronics.com, and check them out today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. So stoked to have you here. Really, really excited about this episode. This is Joel's third appearance on the podcast, and it might be his best one yet. If you want more information about Chase Bliss as a company and their origin story and all that, go back to the first couple. They're a few years old, but they're still relevant as far as all that's concerned. This is more like two buddies catching up who haven't caught up in a while. And man, I got to say, it was a real, real treat. And I can't wait to have him back again sometime, hopefully, with not such a big gap in between, because it was just a delight. Anyhow, little house cleaning before we get started. I want to talk about the 30 videos in 30 days I'm currently doing on YouTube. So if you go to The Tone Mob on YouTube, you can check out those videos. I've already done a bunch of them. I think by the time you hear this, there will be seven. Uh, well... The podcast will probably come out before the seventh YouTube video, but there's six videos. They're all different. The response has been overwhelmingly nice, and hopefully you can enjoy them too. So if you go to YouTube and subscribe over there, I'm actually putting in a real effort this time. I know I've said that before, but it's really happening this time. I'm really giving this whole YouTube thing a shot. I know that I should have been doing it years ago, but you know. Life happens, so I'm doing it now, and I'm doing it hard, so please go there, subscribe, check out the things, give me some feedback, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like, that's the only way I know what to make. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get into this podcast with Joel Cordy from Chase Bliss Audio. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff sometimes, occasionally. <laughs> uh, with me today, I have Mr. Joel Corte from Chase Bliss Audio. Hi, buddy. He's, he's back. I'm so happy that you're back. This is amazing. This, this is my third time on the show. This is your third time on the show, and the first time you've been on since I've been like not at work and recording oh the other two times i I was okay yeah yeah i was i was in a like a fuel lab recording with Mm. you the other times and now i'm in the shred shed staring at a screen wondering why i'm not in minnesota really so everything everything makes sense now everything is better yes yes 
except so, for the global pandemic. That's not better. Well, that's not better. No, that's not because this is the first time I've been on the podcast since the pandemic. Yeah, I'm not a fan of pandemics. Yeah, as it turns out, I'd, I'd never. I'd never been through one before myself, mm-hmm. but it turns out I don't I don't like it. Nobody really has, not even old people. <laughs> not even cantankerous people. They're yeah. not happy with so it. They either. don't even know what to do. No. And if the old people don't know what to do, then what are we going to do? We're just here yeah. trying to pick up the pieces, right? Mhm. Well, how have you been? It's been what has has it been 2 years since you've been on? It feels like it's been like 2 years, which seems it's insane. Been a while. I, w- I would like to know, is there anybody that has more appearance, appearances than me? There's one I'm person. Competitive. I'm competitive. Yeah, there's there's one person. Okay. His name, and I think you'll be okay with it, though, because okay. it's Jay Leonard J. Oh, that's fair. Okay. I yeah. can, you know, I can live with that. There was going to be He's one person. On, yeah, he's been on, I think, four times. I'd have to go back and check. He's he's done okay. a couple. He's done his main interview. He did another one just for kicks, and then he's done a couple like Nam recaps with me. So he's he's done like four, I think. Great, so, but you're Great. you're otherwise Great. it's it's you and uh, I don't think anyone else is. Oh, Ryan from Yellow Cake has been on three times, but that was quite a while ago. Okay, if he so, was on four times, that would upset me. Um, he so hasn't. I'm glad hasn't that <laughs> I'm glad that we're just tied, and he's not ahead of me. I don't want you to be upset. <laughs> I feel like you'd you'd do something like the Hulk, like you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, mm-hmm. type of thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, how am I? Uh, I'm actually doing pretty good um, at the moment. Um, we hired four employees last month, uh, so that's pretty wild. Whoa! Um, yeah. Uh, we're having normally our uh, our pedals are made in California, um, which has been problematic to say the least. And I decided to bring more production in house, so we're going to make more of the things. And turns out there's a lot of out of work sound engineers, live sound engineers that uh, have the skills we're looking for. Well, that, I guess, worked out oddly in your favor then, didn't it? Well, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll, uh, um, you know, have, uh, have the option to go back to their other line of work at some point. But maybe they'll like this job so much that they won't want to. We'll see. I feel like uh, the environment there is probably, you know, based on the videos that I've seen, you know, outside of the you know, trying to be an undercover boss and whatnot. It's probably pretty pretty friendly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely you know we like we've like doubled our workforce in the last month, so that's uh, that's weird. But uh, I think everybody's kind of liking having more control under our own roof. Yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah, roof. So it's interesting. Well, how do you say that word? Well, I'm I am a, a hillbilly, so I say I say roof a lot. I say crick sometimes, okay. even though I know that's not what you're supposed to say. But it's just part of my DNA at this point. Can't really do yeah. much about it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to worry about it. 
everybody knows what I meant. I don't know how to say some words. I don't even really know how you say my last name. So you don't even know how you say your no, last name. I don't. I, okay, that explains. I a asked lot. my dad. I asked my dad uh, one time, and I was like, "Is it Cordy or Corti?" And he said, mm-hmm. "He just he thought I just said the same thing twice in a row. He didn't recognize that there was a difference." So he's like, "What do you? <laughs> what do you? Are you joking?" No, I'm like, "Do you say it like with a D or with a T?" Anyway, I digress. So it's not it. So it's not an A. I always said Corte. So that's not well. Right it's either. definitely it's not. It's definitely not that, as far as I know. But I mean, if 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 if, if I don't really know, maybe it is Corte. Oh, I've been saying Corte. Ah, oh, well, mm-hmm. now I won't do that it was, anymore. It was a nice way for me to differentiate between college friends and high school friends, because high school friends would say Cordy, and college friends would say Corte. So if I ever forgot who was who, I could just ask them to say my last name. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> so I was a I was a college friend. Yes. Yes. That, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But no more. Now you're going to think we went to high school together. <laughs> I'm sure you Sure that's exactly how it's going to work. So that uh that that uh, fact that you have increased your workforce so much it tells it tells people a lot of things i think i think people have a perception of a lot of gear companies and maybe yours especially that they're much larger than what they actually are because i think people would assume that hiring four employees would not increase your workforce by 50 percent. they might think it increased it by two percent and i don't know i i think that's the case for almost every gear company they're almost all much smaller than what I think public perception is. What do yeah, you think about that? Yeah, I wonder that? why that is. Why, do you have any th- theories? My only thing I can think of, and I was talking with Ryan at Fuzzrocious about this, uh, is because people were asking about his employees and stuff too, and he's like, I don't have any employees. <laughs> like I have, I have zero employees. Uh, I think it's because they see these like follower counts on, mm-hmm. on Instagram or whatever. And they they just kind of assume that that's how it is, you know. I mean, I routinely get like, you know, if somebody like will refer to the Tone Mob Instagram, they'll be like, "Thanks, guys." I'm like, "It's just me. I'm just yeah. here by myself. Like, no one else is here. No one else is running the thing." So I think it has to do with social media follower counts, but also that can't be entirely the story either. It must just be like public perception in general because I think people thought that like Mesa Boogie was really a large company in the 90s. And from what I can see in their factory videos and stuff, they're not tiny, but they're not huge. Yeah, I think it's behemoth. I think maybe people, um, you know, I, I, you know, like uh, guitar pedal industry just as just the total revenue that it. Generates is really small compared to other industries, relatively. I mm-hmm. think. I mean, you could say that about anything, I guess. It's, it's like relative to what, but I think that because it's quite small, then if people are like somewhat well known in the industry, then it kind of assume people kind of assume, well, oh, hey, that's like a, you know, they have X amount of employees or whatever, you know. 
Yeah. Well, one thing that I've said to people in the past, it's like your average, like small to medium sized construction company locally is probably bigger than these pedal companies. Like yeah. your local plumber, if you see a, like a, a, a plumber that you see on a regular basis, like Steve's plumbing company, and he's got like four vans, he's probably running a larger operation than most, mm-hmm. most guitar anything companies for the most part. What kind of scares me though is, uh, um, I read, Bob Taylor's book, um, it's called Guitar Lessons, I think, and it's about his journey with starting Taylor guitars and everything, and he talks about a point. For some reason, this is the part of the book I just remember super well. There's other stuff I remember too, but he's like, after you get past like 12 employees, things start to get weird Um, because – like when your 12 employees are under, I, I, this is my interpretation of it. Um, I'm, and obviously I'm paraphrasing and you should not think this is what Bob Taylor actually said. This is what, uh, what I remember <laughs> from years after reading it. But when you have 12 or under employees, it's like you can get away with things not being perfect because it's a small company and people have access to the owner and can talk to him whenever they want. And, it's like, you know, maybe there's not an HR department, but like you can just go talk to the owner of the company if there's a problem, you know, but then like once you kind of break past that threshold, it just kind of, you kind of lose something and you have to be, you have to be more of a real company or something. That's how I, that's how, that was my interpretation of it. So I'm, I'm worried now that I'm approaching that threshold. The Bob Taylor threshold. So, and I think he has hundreds and hundreds of employees now, but. Yeah. I mean, I, at one point I think I read that Taylor guitars was pumping out like 600 guitars a day. So yeah, yeah I'm I assuming he's got a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to talk about, especially in the guitar world. Uh, I don't know if this is supposed to be public knowledge, so I won't name names, mm-hmm. but. There's a large figure in the guitar world who talked to a smaller guy that I know, and he he is he told him, "I wish I would have stayed small," Ooh. which is interesting. And his th- his reasoning behind that was he didn't get. It's not like he made more money personally, right? Yeah. It, like he's like it's not. He's like it's not like I I made a bunch more income he's like my company grew my wage basically stayed the same and i had more headaches hmm. which was really an t- interesting can perspective you tell me off the record who that is i, I sure can okay <laughs> i just i don't know if i don't know if that person wants this to be public knowledge so i would yeah i would refrain from saying it publicly but i'll tell you i'll tell you off the record but okay. uh yeah, and so I thought that was an interesting perspective. And then I look at somebody like Analog Mike, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's got demand that he knows he could he could scale up and meet. But he he talked about it on his episode when he came on. That like he has stayed the size that he is intentionally. You know, he's got guys that have worked for him for ten plus years. Uh, everybody's you know making a living wage, and you know he can race Porsches on the weekend. You know, like he's happy. He doesn't want to scale up to meet that demand yeah. uh, at a at a huge headache-inducing production scale. Uh, 
And that, I mean, I'm again paraphrasing what he said, but people can go back and listen to his episode if they want the exact details. But that's yeah. more or less how he viewed it. There's a there's a benefit to staying. You need to grow, right? You need to grow to a certain point. But I often wonder for small business owners if there's some benefit to sit, staying in that sub 12 employee. Well, level. I think so. Right now, including me, we have 10, and I really like this size because, like, I like yesterday i just never showed up to work i'm like it just wasn't like no one texted me or you know it was like they they all know what to do I, they probably had some questions or like oh joel's i guess joel's not here today but it's not like <laughs> i uh it's not like things fall apart or anything it's just fine and then also with this amount of people if someone goes on vacation or is sick it's we can absorb that when we had three or four people, if someone went on a vacation for a week or two weeks or went on a t- tour or something, it's like, <laughs> this is, this is problematic, you know? Cause that's like right. 25% of the company is gone. Like, how do we manage this? So it's night when you get this number of people, you know, obviously you don't want everyone taking vacation at the same time, but it's like easier to work around. And I don't know, we'll see how long we can, do this for because it feels kind of good. Hello. I think I might be experiencing. I didn't realize I I had to cough and I didn't realize I had oh. un, I had muted myself. I thought I had unmuted and I didn't click hard enough. That was very courteous of you. <laughs> I'm drinking so a, I, uh, I'm drinking coffee and beer right now and it's just it's really working for me. I just wanted you to know that. You're doing both. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one o'clock here, so it's not as bad as if you were doing this, which would be it's 1117 in California or wait, Oregon. Uh, sorry. I yeah. It's all the same. Right. Um, and it's all the same. <laughs> wait a minute. Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, you know, coffee and beer. Be- what kind of coffee? What kind of beer? Um, so I got the coffee from a holiday gas station. Uh, this morning mm-hmm. and it's just you know i've been heating it up every so often it's pretty it's still pretty warm right now and then uh, the beer is a it was the last decent beer in the fridge um it's ah. a bauhaus brew lab stargazer black lager so our mm. our drinking policy at work is that i like to have everyone have all the employees, well, the new guys don't yet, but I like to have all the employees have credit cards so they can just get LaCroix or beer or whatever and just keep the fridge stocked. And you can drink beer whenever you want, but you just can't get drunk. Or that's, wow. you know, it's like don't get drunk is like the rule. But see, this is a thing where if we had like 30 employees, I'm pretty sure this would this policy wouldn't fly, you know? Right. Yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, right now it's okay. So I was just, I was just wondering if you were taking applications. Or, <laughs> Not oh. right now. Since we hired four people last <laughs> month, I got to, I got to pump the brakes. Oh man. See how well, this works the policy out. around here is, is similar. Let's just okay. put it that way. Mm-hmm. All of my employees that I have here, uh, respect that policy and they, uh, they do the same thing Good. basically. Good. So and your good. employees are like your dog and 
I'm assuming I don't you have, have a one dog. of those. Well, you don't have a dog. It doesn't make any sense. I don't have a dog. You like live out in a low-key rural area. You should have a dog. I can't. I can't have a dog because no, no you need a dog. You need a dog. I don't I, have a dog, but you need I, one. You look like a dog. I person. can't have a dog. Why? I. I well, Are you allergic? Okay, let me explain. No, let me explain to you my situation with animals. So, all right. I I've had two animals. Well, I've had a couple animals in my life, but two specifically since I've been an adult. That so one was my family dog Tonka, which lived at my parents' house, but he was you know the family dog, and everybody loved him. And you know he he died, and I was very very upset. Obviously, uh, I also had a, a hedgehog for a while uh, that lived at my house. And his name was Pacino, and we would watch movies together, and he would crawl on me, and he died, and I was super, super, super sad. Uh, and I realized that, like, and this is a good thing, but I have a, I have a big family, and they all live relatively close to me, and so I've experienced a lot of death as a result of that. I had a, um, I had eleven parents and grandparents when I was born, like great greats and greats. And they, most of them lived locally. Uh, and so there's a picture of me as a baby with like all of these, these people and they're all my family. So all I say is too good a pet. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, basically I don't want to experience any more death than necessary. And so I don't want to get another, I don't want to get another dog and get attached and, go through the whole old yeller thing again it's just not i don't want to do it to myself all right i'm gonna i'm gonna read you a quote here by uh by c.s lewis okay all right um here it is okay Okay. uh here's the quote to love at all is to be vulnerable love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken if you want to make sure of keeping it intact you must give it to no one not even an animal Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. End quote. You need to get a f-ing dog. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't know what's up with me today. I really apologize. I'm, pu- I'm pulling the dickens. <laughs> You're fine, Blake. You don't need a dog. It's everything. You're, so, I did not. Uh, I did not expect this to go this yeah. way. I. I, well, I'm, I mean, I. 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 Uh, you're not the only one recently trying to talk me into getting a dog. This is a dog, weird man. thing. I don't even have a dog. <laughs> I have kids. I don't need a dog. Yeah. Okay. CS right. was directing that at people who don't have. Yeah, you're right. That's what I was you're trying right. to say. Is like you're I got crazy. so many things that I love. Yeah. I don't need. If I have one more thing, I might just break all together. I get That's it. What I'm I, get to it. Say. I get it. I was out of line. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> You're out of line, Corty. You're out of line. 
Anyway, so I told everybody that that was amazing, actually. (laughs) Thank you for that. So I posted in the Tone Mob Facebook group that I was going to be talking to you. I what I specifically said was I'm recording with Joel here in a bit. What should we talk about and why is it aliens? (laughs) That's what I said. So I do want to talk to you about aliens. There's a bunch of other questions that we have in in the group or statements or various things. But first, I want to talk to you about aliens okay. because it seems like a subject that you might have some some input Indeed on. I, I don't do. know. Indeed, I do. So 2020 has been a crazy year, mm-hmm. right? We've seen a lot of things that are bad. Uh, we've seen some thing, a lot of things that are good. We've seen some things that are unprecedented in good and bad ways. But one of the things that we have seen uh, is that Tom DeLonge was right. That's one of the things that we've seen. And nobody seems to want to talk about the fact that the government said that they have craft that they don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. not saying it's aliens, mm-hmm. but they've, they've admitted that they have things that they don't know the origin of, and I don't know why nobody's talking about it. Here's, here's my take on it. Um, I'm... I very much want to believe that those are alien spacecraft. Um, I really want to believe that. And, but I also wonder what the likelihood is that Donald Trump wouldn't talk about it if that were the case. Because I, you know, I'm a one issue voter, aliens. And okay. like if aliens, yeah, right. if, if we're going to, you know, if either candidate is going to, you know, kind of talk about aliens and, you know, maybe give us some more information on aliens or alien spacecraft. Like I'm listening and I'm, I'm probably not the only one. So, but it makes me skeptical that, that that is alien spacecraft. Cause I feel like Trump would talk about it a lot cause he just seems like it. So here's my thing. Okay. Uh, I don't think I don't think the presidents know as much as we think they know. Okay. Because, you know, like we, there, there are people in the government who have been in positions of not necessarily power, some of them power, but positions to know things mm-hmm. for a lot longer than any one sitting president. And I think those people are tasked with whether or not they need to reveal certain things to said president. But wouldn't that be a great opportunity for Trump to be like, I exposed the deep state, you know, I think there's an, I don't know. I just, it would. And I think, but if he, sorry, go ahead. Don't want to interrupt you. But if, but if he can't do it, so like say you're uh, Joel and you're in, you're in charge of the secrets of the aliens. Sure. And you know that it's like, a matter of public safety that you keep this under wraps, at least for now, mm-hmm. right? And you have been given special clearances and all that jazz, and you're like, I'm the keeper of alien secrets. And Trump comes up to you and is like, hey, Joel, tell me about the aliens. You Wouldn't you think that you would have something in place to be like, well, listen, Mr. Trump, we, we have no evidence of alien spacecraft. Uh, here's what we do have. Uh, let me show you everything. And, and this then, is, you know, that's then, that's just it, what it is, like, man. It's like who watches the Watchmen, you know? It's like who who's the keep – like who's in charge of the alien s- secrets then? Like who gets to make that decision about whether or not it's in the best interest of the public, if not the president? 
I think you I think you do. I think you were put into that hmm. position by, you know, I don't know, Eisenhower or it something. It just seems like, and, I, don't, uh, I don't know, like that just seems. Uh... Like we know there's stuff the president doesn't know. Uh, you know, there's, we, we know that for a fact. There's things going on in the CIA that the president's not hip to. He doesn't know. Well, then who's in charge? Nobody's in charge. We're on a, a spinning rocks hurtling through space at some bazillion m- miles an hour. No one's in charge, Joel. All right. I guess, Nobody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it certainly feels like that sometimes. <laughs> or most of the time. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So now that we got that established, yeah. uh, your, so your theory is if, if there were more alien stuff that Trump would have told us about it, which I do – I do see that. I mean, that I, yeah, I also I get where you're coming from too, but, um, Oh, okay. I'll say this. If the president is privy to this information, I think we would know it by now. So, okay. I agree with that. So maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I want to believe. I want to believe too. Okay. X-Files instilled that in mm-hmm. me at a young age. Mm-hmm. Thanks Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. All right, let's scroll through through some of these questions here. Let's see what we got. Um, well, some of them are not really questions. They're just statements. So uh, Andrew Renard, he, uh, who also has a podcast called Get Offset. I was on it. People should go check that out. Uh, he said, I said, what should I talk about? And, and he says, psychedelics, probably. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, I don't have a lot of input to offer on that, but obviously you were involved with a pedal that just had a psychedelic right in the right in the old name. Yeah, where did that come from? Can you talk about that project a yeah, little bit no, more? Totally. Oh man, that release was a huge bummer. Um, actually, if you'd have talked to me this time last week, I'd probably be all bummed out about it. But basically, uh, this friend of mine like four or five years ago, I guess it was five years ago now, had this idea. He's like, oh, I love it. Um, well, no, it started like this. I hope I'm getting this right. Um, he's like, could you make a special gravitas for me that the rate goes faster, like almost like audio range? So it does almost like ring body stuff. And I was like, sure. And I tried it on a gravitas and it um, – the the elements on that kind of don't respond quick enough so it doesn't sound good and the volume just kind of gets cut down it's like not choppy enough so then i i was kind of interested and i was like well i'm gonna mod it to make it choppier so i did that and he was like man this is awesome and he put his favorite fuzz in front of it and uh he said we should make a pedal out of this. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And he had this idea for a company called Abracadabra Audio. And I love this guy. So I was like, you're probably the only person in the world I'd do this for just because you're crazy and I love you. And so we did it. And he, the, so the reason it was called ayahuasca is that he, and I've never taken ayahuasca. He has taken it a bunch. And he said that this was a sound that he felt like the super fast choppy uh, fuzz tremolo was a sound that he associated with one of his experiences. And he's, he's the type of guy too, that he did. It's not like he's one of these, like, you know, 
Silicon Valley people that this is like the hip new drug to try for wellness or whatever. And he was just doing that. Like he was actually going down to South America and, you know, researching different shamans and stuff like that. And I don't, I feel kind of bad, especially now with everything that happened and which I'll get into in a second, um, that I don't know more about it because I feel like I should. Um, but he, yeah, he associated the sound with those experiences. So we released like t 10 of them four years ago. Uh, they sold, you know, Chase Bliss was a way different company back then. And they sold in a few hours or something, you know, but it was like 10 pedals. So, and it was a limited edition thing. We did a little video with knobs. Um, <clears throat> and then we, we wanted to make them kind of special and hand painted, which is just hard, hard to find um different people to paint stuff uh we had we had hannah haugberg uh, who used to work with me at zvex she painted like four runs i think and then we had some other people we did some acid etching with um jack nelson from dropping acid pedal etching <laughs> oh there's another uh nice drug reference i was gonna there. say hey there's another one um and <laughs> uh yeah and then I originally ordered 200 circuit boards for this thing. And to be honest, like it's a cool pedal. It has some cool sounds, but it's not my favorite pedal. And so I never wanted to make a ton of them because I just like, it's a cool pedal, but I just don't think I don't want to make a lot of them because that's not, it's not like, I don't want to, I don't want to say negative things about it because out of, it's a cool pedal. It, makes cool sounds but i just don't think it's our best pedal um and so we gotcha. had parts to make a hundred more and um and we were having trouble finding people to paint and and i was like let's just do one more run of a hundred because we'd made a hundred up to that point with just like silkscreen we'll charge a little bit less for them because they were going for crazy prices on reverb and we'll just call it done it'll be fun we'll do some art for it and we'll just do silkscreen and then we'll be done and it'll just be a fun little thing and man people got really mad about it they got real mad they sure Which, did yeah they did and so uh it was a bummer it made me sad and i don't know um yeah i guess that's pretty much it my observations on it were like this is one of the strangest is one of the strangest things I've ever seen to get mad yeah, about. Yeah, especially in 2020 for crying out loud. There's a lot of genuine yeah, things to I be was, upset about. You know, regardless of who you are, there's things to get mad about that are not guitar pedals. And I wonder if some of it is just the boil over from the stress yeah. and the the, the real stuff I, I you know think, what i mean I think and it's so. just like i'm i'm still mad like i'm mad and i'm not done being mad and i found something else to be yeah. mad about like maybe it's that but even like i i uh you know since we're going through these changes with the company with hiring all these people and bringing more production in-house um one of the guys i do a lot of videos with um recently moved back to minnesota from arizona <clears throat> he was like hey do you have any work for me and i was like actually I think we should shoot some videos of this. This is kind of an interesting thing. I think Chase Bliss customers would be 
wanting to know about is how the company's changing and how we're doing more stuff in house. Like, let's try to document that. And he sent me the first draft of like an episode yesterday and it had, cause we were building ayahuasca while he was here. And I was like, dude, just cut all that out. Like, I'm just done with it. Like, I don't want to deal with, but it just sucks. Cause he's like, Oh no, that, that stuff's cool. And like, it, it was, it was cool to have that part where, you know, you know, they're building it. And I was like, no, no, I'm done with, it. I'm done. I don't want to remind people that chapter is yeah. over. Yeah. Well, anyway. that's fair enough. Well, thank you for telling, yeah. telling you your side more, of that story. If you have any more questions, let me know. It's all, kind of like, it's not even that interesting, you know? I mean, I already knew all of yeah. that, so I don't personally have okay. any more questions. And that was really kind of a, just a yeah. general mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into some of the other things. Here's a random okay. one. Uh, that I, I'm going to be curious because I don't know anything about this. Uh, Sonia Quartzleaf, she says, thoughts on the space aliens bar and grill by out by the outlet mall? He'll know. Oh, I definitely know all about that place. What is this place? Um, this person must know where I live because <laughs> it's pretty close to my she house. Lives where you, she lives in that same oh, neck okay. of the woods. Um. But yeah, have you ever heard? I just know that because we've we've emailed. You've, before. you've heard of the Space Aliens restaurant chain, right? Or is that like a regional thing? It must be a regional thing. I don't know anything don't about know. it. Okay, I thought they were all over the place. But yeah, there's this restaurant chain called Space Aliens, and it's weird in there. There's uh, it is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, there's like a little there's like a game area. Um where you can kind of play different games and win tickets to get really cheap prizes. And then they serve mediocre food. I would say, yeah, (laughs) that's pretty average. Like I would eat there right now. It's, it's fine. I think. Um, but we've been in there a couple of times with my kids and they loved it. They had a great time, but they're both kind of scared of some of the aliens around. Oh, she probably brought it up because of the, uh, you know, you kind of brought up the whole alien, uh, you know, the theme. But yeah, right. I'm sure that's a restaurant. It's a bar. It's a grill. They got games. You can win prizes. And there's some weird alien stuff around that kind of scares my kids. Okay, (laughs) that sounds sounds like a alien version of Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, totally. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese. So at Space Aliens, there's more focus on the food and less focus on the games. And at Chuck E. Cheese, I would say there's more focus on the games and slightly less focus on the food. Which, you know, at Chuck E. Cheese, it's probably for good reason. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Although I don't think Chuck E. Cheese food is – I would also eat that and have eaten that. I'm kind of – I'll kind of eat anything now. It's kind of sad. I haven't ate Chuck E. Cheese probably since I was a kid. I don't – I, sh- I guess I it should reserve better. judgment. Maybe it's all right. I feel like it's the kind of, have you ever had, have you had Domino's recently? Not recently, recently, but I have okay. had them since they changed. It was like what, maybe like six, okay. eight years yeah. ago when they were like, listen, we hear you. Our pizza is bad and we have changed. <laughs> so I, did, I had Domino's a couple of weeks ago and it was, it wasn't bad. Yeah. And That's how was, I would classify like, it. Yeah. I felt like Chuck E. Cheese was kind of a similar. Yeah, no, it wasn't as good as this new Dom. I mean, this is all bad food. You know, let's. <laughs> We're not going to sugarcoat it, it. But yes. Yeah. But it's edible. All right. I feel like we've like, covered. You can eat it. 
<laughs> you can like it won't kill you immediately. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we've covered that chain enough. That sounds pretty fun. I'd like to visit that place one day. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Oh, this is a long question. Let me uh, let me read this real quick. Okay, Drew Lopez says, It's very clear that CBA pedals have a multitude of tweakability between all the parameters and knobs on the pedal face and the dip switches. The possibilities Hold appear on, to be... One quick oh. question, quick question. Yes. My beer's gone. Should I get a seltzer, an alcoholic seltzer, or just call it good? It's 140. What are you planning on doing call? the rest of the day? Uh, I got a little bit of work to do on a pedal, but it's it's easy. Stuff. Okay. Then you should probably get a seltzer. All right. Just give me a second. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> All right. Joel's migrating to the fridge. This is great podcasting right here. He's grabbing a seltzer. You can hear the, the din of Chase Bliss employees enjoying their their pedals and beer, which is apparently a thing they do there. Okay, you hear him. He's coming back now. All right. And I got a black cherry white claw. Oh, right. There, there ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. Nope, not a one. <laughs> I was narrating your journey to the refrigerator. Oh, okay. For the listeners. Yeah, it's actually, it's really, really quite close. So. Oh, all right. So all we'll, right. I'll go back to the question if you're if you're comfy and ready. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. I'm ready now. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Drew Lopez, he says, uh, it's very clear that CBA pedals have a multitude of tweakability between all the parameters and knobs in the pedal face and then the dip switches. The possibilities appear to be endless, not to mention a little intimidating. My question being, which of the time-based or modulation units would Joel consider to be the most approachable as a first Chase, Chase Bliss pedal? I have enough thought hmm. on that, but I'd, I would like to hear your, your personal take on it. My personal favorite right now is a discontinued pedal because it doesn't sell is a uh, womb tone uh -huh. i i don't know there's just something about um a phaser and especially because i usually when i'm playing right now it's with with my band and i just love that pedal for um for that for a like a live context um but i think uh they're all kind of equally complex in a way, I think. Um, I mean, maybe you could say uh, gravitas the tremolo just because sometimes it's easier for people to wrap their head around, you know, volume modulation, tremolo rather than p pitch modulation or, or f phasing. So mm. I'm not answering his question. I just think... <laughs> I just like womb tone right now. All right. I would say, it, based on my personal experience, I haven't played everything that you've made, but quite a bit of it. I think the most approachable is actually Dark World. Because you can just, like, yeah. get right but into it. he said modulation specifically, right? Oh, you said or time-based. Oh, or time-based. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree that... If you separate it and think about it like two reverb pedals, that I think that's a people can wrap around their head around it pretty quickly. To me, it's the most instantly usable one. It's, you know, the Keeley mm -hmm. side is very straightforward, 
and then you yep. can start blending in the Cooper effects side uh, as as you get it figured out. And I think it's just it's the most immediately like plug in, and most people can understand this. Uh, I agree. With, without reading the manual type of thing, you should I'm read the manual. That, well, yeah, I'm glad that you're here because you're right, and I was wrong. <laughs> it is dark world. All right, we'll go with the dark. That's world. the correct answer. Never question me again. How dare you? I won't. But get a dog. <laughs> oh, I gotta get a dog. I'm not getting a dog. I'm not getting a dog till my kids make me get a dog. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we got in here? Oh, ooh, this would be a fun one to talk about. And it's a, uh, it's not really a question. But Tom Kelly, he just wrote in all caps, Spectre, which, as you know, is one of my favorite pedals that you've ever made. So. Mm -hmm. I know it's discontinued, <laughs> and I'm guessing it's discontinued because of the same reason the womb tones discontinued, which is it didn't sell very well because flanger is a tough well, skew. But you tell me your yeah, perspective. It's, it's a tough skew. Yeah, it's a tough skew, <laughs> especially at 349. Uh, one thing about that pedal is that we never did surface mount assembly, which really helps with the cost and the margins so we made almost no money on that pedal and people fucking hated it for a while well, i shouldn't say it, people, a lot of people thought it was horrible um and noisy and horrible so it was kind of like i feel like specter for me is like um is kind of like this is a weird analogy analogy like um weezer's Pinkerton. Okay. Um, I haven't mentioned yet that I stutter on the show, but that's that's what's happening when you hear me go P -p -p Pinkerton. I'm a person oh, yeah, who stutters and that's Oh, all. people. Yeah, I think people know. Yeah. I mean, if, if just if some, someone's not a repeat listener. Anyway, so what I mean by that is that when it came out, a lot of people thought it was really stupid. And now that I, I – and then I was like, okay, fine. I'll stop making it. You win. We're not making any money off of it anyway. Right. Um, like whatever. And then now like you can't find them. I'm glad I got on the train when I did. I, I recognize yeah, you, were, you liked it at the beginning. Yeah. I've had the purple knob and I had never sent it to get modded. Cause like, I just kind of, it's a different sound with the mod too. Like, I feel like I still prefer the purple version. It's just that I got so much heat and pressure like people i remember reading some reddit thread one time and i was just and i actually agreed with it i was like man i suck he's like oh. how could you release a 349 pedal that makes this kind of self noise and like it is a joke and i should find it someday but it was like just no you, you don't need to i find just it. don't go looking okay. for that that's not going to be good for anybody right, right. yeah but i i just remember reading it and being like yeah he's probably right so I have a different perspective, but I also use pedals in a – I use them in a weird way. Uh, you know, I, my board that I'm in the middle of setting up right now is very strange to say the least. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I use a lot of dirt. I really like fuzz pedals. And mm. yeah, on its own, Spectre was like, this is cool, but – yeah, it's kind of noisy, and I get I understand that complaint, 
But what pe- yeah. I think people miss the magic. The magic to Spectre is when you pummel it with a bunch of fuzz. And that was always my intent. Like when I demoed it at Summer Nam, we had a bit crusher. I think it was like 2015. I had a prototype. Uh, we had uh, the Earthquaker bit commander and i thought it just sounded amazing and but i remember god i'm just exposing myself about how sensitive and thin-skinned i am i was reading comments on like the premiere guitar video and people are like oh you need to buy another 200 dollars pedal to put in front of it to make it sound interesting and i was kind of like yeah i guess that, that's just flanger <laughs> in general in my opinion for the yeah, most part that's true anyway yeah my uh, that one's my favorite and on the uh, the other favorite I have is it's a di- it's it's actually like the opposite of Spectre in a lot of weird ways is the Mister Black Shepherd's end. There's yeah. some similar sounds in it, but like still the ma- you know that one's like really quiet because you know Jack is is Jack and that's just how he is. But like mm-hmm. it's a much simpler, easier to dial in thing. It's a three knobber. But even that one, still, I think my favorite use of flange is with a ton yeah. of dirt. That's just what it, it, what it just does. loves to chew on that wide frequency range. And yeah, actually, uh, Jack had some has has some really great blog posts out there that um, when I was just getting into flange really taught me a lot about it. And I actually sent him a specter because. I felt like his explanation of through zero flanging was really sort of, uh, um, you know, instrumental in that pedal coming to life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've read those too. They're, they helped me understand what was, what was actually going on signal wise. Cause I could just explain it like everyone else. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a jet, Whoosh. Yep. but I didn't actually know what it was doing until I, read those same exact blog posts. So yeah, people should Mm -hmm. definitely check those out for sure. All right. Let's see what else we got in this thread. Let's see. Uh, Oh, this is, this is an interesting question. Andrew Garrison. He says, I'd love to know how he landed on his pedal design format and how he managed to fit so many different types of circuits into the same clean size and layout. I think that's probably his Greatest achievement, super standardized, compact design. So, yeah, how did you come up with that first? The womb tone was first, right? Well, no, it was the warp vinyl, the first warp vinyl. Oh, warp vinyl, that's right. At some point, I realized that with the type of pedals I wanted to make, which was the digital control of analog technology, at least to start, that if you had a platform that you could have much of the same hardware, which I knew a little bit about manufacturing, and I knew that was really helpful. I also knew that one thing I hated when designing products was figuring out like what holes go where and like it's so hard to get all that right. So it was nice is when I first um, developed the warp vinyl, I kind of knew that you know, when I was ordering enclosures from whoever, I could be like, this is the exact layout for everything. And I knew that would help me a lot with manufacturing. Actually, I was really worried that people were going to hate it. Like people were going to think it was lazy. But because I just, I knew that there was power in this platform I was creating and I could do a lot of stuff with it. 
and save myself a lot of headaches in developing future stuff. So I'm really like love the platform idea. That's the same kind of thing I'm going for with the automaton line. Um, so yeah, it was more just like, okay. And I love symmetry. So I love that it, you know, it's the same, it, it mm-hmm. just, you know, you the mirror and it's the same. Um, and so I just kind of like, well, I want it to be small. And at the time, believe it or not, having two foot switches on that size enclosure, 125 B was kind of crazy. Like a few people were doing it, but now it's like super, super widespread and like kind of like everybody does it. But at the time in 2013, it was pretty unusual to see that. And I just thought, how do I get a lot of options in a small space and just really thought about it and measured stuff out. And I kind of knew the whole time that um, I really took my time and wanted to get things right as far as placement was concerned, because I was hoping to do a lot of different products with this same layout. So I guess the answer is like, I, I kind of knew that it would be beneficial for me to really think it out and and get it right uh for whatever that meant for me and so yeah yeah i think that's a that's yeah. a solid answer i get it okay i, I understand where you're where, what you mean by this so thank you for mm-hmm. that good 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 Let's see. What else we got in here? Oh, we got 50 minutes. Okay, we got time for one more question from the group. Let me find a good one. Let's see here. Rick Calhoun. He says, how has working with other builders inspired you overall? Um, it's kind of just like everything for me now. It's just building friendships, building relationships. And it's inspiring because I can see something that I suck at and Mm -hmm. I can see something that someone else is awesome at. And then I can use the stuff I'm good at and they can use the stuff they're good at. And we put it together and we can make something that I by myself would have never been able to make. And I'm just kind of addicted to that at this point because I... I just think it makes the best products that I'm capable of when I team up. I think it's a, uh, I think, you know, some people I think view it as like, not you or like talking about your company, but I've tried to do collaborations with people before and they were like, no, I just wanted, I want it to all come from me. And I do understand that. Yeah. Like, cause you view That's it as how your I starter. Yeah. yeah. Like a, because you kind of view it as your baby, right? It's like your creative thing. It's yep. like your song that you wrote in a in a one kind of way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think much like all the great bands, you know, are a collaborative effort. Not all, but a lot of great bands are a collaborative effort. I think also that can translate into this space as well. And I think you've done a great job with all of that personally. That's my my take on it. Yeah, and I think it's one area where, you know, in some ways I'm confident and in some ways I really lack self-confidence. And I think that it can be good and bad. And there are times when it's good because I, I, yeah, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Just that I really do think it, it leads to the best, best thing 
that I can or we can offer, you know, and just totally egos are stupid. I don't need to make everything. <laughs> egos, egos are dumb. I wish I didn't have everyone has one. That's the weird part well, that yeah. I, I didn't I didn't realize I that Every, mm -hmm. it's impossible not to. In fact, going back to psychedelics, which I've again never experienced. But one of the things that I hear about them is they do erase your ego which is yeah. an interesting concept because everyone does have one to a degree. Yeah. Um, but this will be the second podcast in a row. I've discussed, uh, magic mushrooms, but one of the last experience I've had, um, I just try to do them like once a year is I was just <laughs> pounding on the ground, like crying and saying, I'm so selfish. <laughs> and my friends were just laughing at me. Wow. That sounds intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's not fun. I mean, it can be fun, but it also, it's like, it's not the type of thing. I said this on the last podcast where you wake up the next morning and say, oh, I want to do that again. It's like, yeah, right. I think I'm good for like a year <laughs> or two. You know, and you see, uh, you know, magic mushrooms, if you look on like, uh, you know, drugs that are addictive, it's like the least addictive drug. Because I think of that, because of that reason, it's not, it's, it's different. Yeah. You're, you're not the only one that has told me that I've heard that from yeah. that exact same explanation from many different sources. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard anything different than that. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's good. Well, you know, I mean, it, it means it's consistent, right? That's, a, yeah. that's solid. Yeah. It's not like, you know, some people drink drink alcohol and they they absolutely yeah. lose their mind and some people can do it and then they they go back to work and work on a few pedals later you know everyone yeah, responds to that I'm, one a little yeah, differently I've had, I've had two drinks i'm halfway through this white class but yeah alcohol what a terrible drug <laughs> which is why anyway. there's a policy on it right yes yes anyway uh let's see we're about to the hour mark and I have not let you put up a billboard so this is I've got some new stuff that I do at the end of the podcast since you last came on and one of the things is I let whoever I'm talking to say whatever they want to say if there's something they've been trying to get off their chest or if they just got some stuff they want to plug or whatever this is mm -hmm. your opportunity to do that hmm what do I want to say I don't know. Sometimes I just think, uh, well, you know what? Here's what I want to say. I want to say that this is a hard year. And I think it's good to, to just give yourself a little bit of grace. Um, I feel like I, in particular, have... It's just easy to beat yourself up over a lot of things and and it's good to to reflect and think about what you could do better or how you could be a better person or a better husband or a better father or a better boss but we all are trying our best and sometimes you just gotta watch some nba basketball and have a beer and say, this is enough for right now. 
I like that. That is a good Thank reminder you. that we could all use. That is a that is important. It sounds I'm trivial. I'm a big basketball I think. fan. Well, we'll have stuff to talk about on the Patreon section then. Wow, this is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is another new question that I've introduced at the end of episodes at the uh, request of one of the longtime supporters of the podcast, Mr. Jason Fuzzmonger. Shout out, Jason. He's also hey, a moderator Jason. in the Facebook group. He's amazing. But yeah, he, he, intru- he introduced this to me, and I think it's a great question for people uh, to answer. So anyway, here we go. What is your favorite boss pedal? VB2. Oh, I think that might be a first. That really? was it. And everyone's much faster with this. I, I always thought that this was going to be a question where people were like, hmm, let me think. But almost everyone shoots it out just like you just did. Just Interesting. like you just did. That's fascinating too. Yeah. So VB2. Why why the VB2? What do you like about it? Um, It's just that, you know, this is the first experience I had with like a Bucket Brigade pitch vibrato. Um, Really, it bringing me to a new emotional place is just very evocative and very, uh, very special to me. Um, it's just a sound that is uh, really, really cool that like it, it hits me in a way that other, other things don't. I like it. That's great. Well, so for the closing question, you know, normally I would ask you about your pizza preferences, but we've talked about that the last couple of times, yeah, unless you've uh, had new new pizza experiences that you would like to explore. Otherwise, I'll, I'm going to throw something else at you. Well, yeah, let's, let's switch it up. Okay. Keeping it with food. Not, not pizza, obviously, other than pizza. What is your, uh, what is one of your favorite foods? Um, I really love Thai food. Um, my man, me too. I think when we were together, we might have went to a Thai place. Or do, no, we went. Where did we go when yeah. we were together? We oh, did. In Portland. We went to a Thai place. We did. Yeah. Okay. That's yep. right. Yeah. Because we, we both like Pad Thai, Thai food. And I think I, I, yeah, I texted you and I, you were like, so what do you want to eat? And I was like, well, I love Thai food. And you're like, I think it was a similar reaction. You're like, my man. And then let's go to this place. And we had a lovely time. We did. It was great. And that was like, you looked at me and you were like, now I understand what you do. And I was like, you do? Because <laughs> yeah. I barely understand it. Yeah. So I was like, what is it you say that you do here? <laughs> that was a good time. Well, Joel, yeah. this was a delight. Thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for the support all year and everything that you do, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. I appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing. And it's an honor to be on. And I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. All right, everyone. For Joel, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Hi, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did, although that's probably impossible. And if you would like more, if you would like more content, including more talk with me and Joel, That's right. I said me and Joel. I'm going to lean into it. None of that Joel and I stuff. It's me and Joel. Me and Joel are talking for extra time this week over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash tonemob for $5 a month, you will get extra extended episodes to your ears every week, usually in the form of extended conversations with that week's guest. Sometimes there's other things, but usually that's what it is, and it's always a good time. And it helps support the show, keeps the lights on quite literally. If you can, That would be really, really appreciated. 
And if you can't, please just tell a friend. Tell somebody about the show. Every download counts. I know that you hear that from every single podcast that you listen to, but it is so, so important that you tell your friends, anybody you think that might be interested in these things, to download the podcast, and it will help so much. So thank you very much. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, folks. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.